This is the Coaching Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Emily Hodge, where I cover or uncover some of the biggest coaching industry questions that many of us are asking so that we can get underneath what makes coaching work and where it might even go wrong for individuals and as an industry to help its reputation and worth grow well into the 22nd century to have even more impact. I hope you enjoy the series. In this episode of Coaching Uncovered podcast, I got the chance to speak to a good friend of mine, Liz Pill Yates, about her experience in the coaching industry, how she entered into it, and how she's having what I think we will call a rest, a break, and what she would like to do about returning back into it kindly and successfully. What I think I took from this episode was even having had a number of conversations with Liz outside of this podcast for a number of years on these topics, I really felt that she was in such a place of confidence with some of the things that have happened, her experiences being a coach and being coached. And as she was talking, I get this sense that the words that she says, the things that she's got to share are going to help you They're going to give you, I believe, a sense of freedom if you're struggling with your either coaching practice, coaching business, or feeling like you don't fit in. I really genuinely felt in my body that she was giving the most beautiful guidance throughout this whole episode. Um, I hope you feel that too. And if you're moved by this episode, you find it helpful, then do share with both of us, one of us. You can find out how to find Liz in the show notes of this episode. And you can find me in the usual place on my Instagram at Gentle Life Mindful Business. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this. And it's just what you need around the new year when this is released. Liz, hello. Hello. Oh, I'm so, oh, so pleased to have you here. Also, we are recording this episode five four days before Christmas yeah I nearly sat in front of my Christmas tree to do it and then I thought no I won't do that well in front of wouldn't have been helpful I'd rather it was your background so I could see it (laughs) (laughs) Liz um this is coaching uncovered podcast so we're going to talk about your coaching experiences plural I know you could you share for anyone who's listening anyone the one person who you are, what you say you do, and what your first experiences with coaching have been like. So I'm Liz Peel Yates, and right now, this second, um, for my job, I'm a company director of a, um, a small to medium-sized pet bedding company that I run with my lovely husband from our farm in Northamptonshire. But who I am as a person is a coach. And it has taken me a really long time to be able to separate the two. I have been running a coaching business, transformational life coaching business for four years, um, which officially is still running. But during the majority of this year, I've really, um, I haven't taken any new clients on and I've just carried on working with existing clients uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of a bit of who I am. And my first experience of coaching was actually 
a really long time ago. And it was when I first decided I wanted to be a coach when I grew up. It was one of my first jobs after uni. And I was working for um, an executive headhunting company. And they had career coaches. And these career coaches were kind of retired CEOs, FDs, MDs, Mm -hmm. who had had their, you know, grown up career, been very successful, and then were supporting other people to find out who they wanted to be, what they wanted to do. And I just thought that was the best job ever, ever. But I put it in the box of things I'm allowed to do when I've become successful, had a career, done whatever. It's the kind of thing I'm allowed to do when I am a proper grown up. And so I uh, went on my merry way and um, qualified as a lawyer and then did that for quite a long time and did a lot of mentoring in that job without really meaning to have done a lot of informal coaching with people I've supervised and clients and all sorts of people throughout my career. And then 2014, I was not a very happy bunny, not doing very well at all. Had had some counseling, had had some therapy and still feeling very, very stuck, very unhappy. And somebody recommended a life coach to me. And so I worked with an incredible life coach for six months. And it was then that I declared that I wanted to quit as a lawyer and um, become a coach, but didn't. (laughs) What stopped you at that point? I was too scared at that point. Um, I was very financially secure. I had a lot of responsibilities. I had a mortgage. I had a two-year-old. And at that point, although I'd been mentoring coaching, I didn't have any formal qualifications at that point. And and I was scared. Like, what if I couldn't do it? What if I threw away this big career, this kind of, again, grown-up job, mm. and it didn't work? What if I completely messed it up? Um, and, then, and then I got cancer. Mm. And that was the first thing I declared. Literally, as soon as I was diagnosed, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to become a coach. Wow. Easy. Yeah. How did it change the feeling? You said scared twice there, didn't you? How did it change the feeling of being scared? Um, you know this, I think when you experience something vastly life-changing, whether that's a good thing, whether it's having a baby, whether it's getting married, whether it is, you know, a diagnosis like that, it fully shifts your perspective. Mm. And obviously it's different for everyone. Everyone takes something different from it. But for me, it, it was this automatic, all the small stuff disappeared, nothing about money or what other people think or any of the stuff that had been holding me back from fully being who I wanted to be just fell away. All the shoulds, all the obligations, all the pressure just disappeared. And it was my, I guess my way of, of, of experiencing and making the most of my diagnosis was how am I going to make the absolute most of this second chance I've been given how am I not going to waste this opportunity? And I was just filled like to the brim and overflowing with this motivation to inspire. And I just wanted to bottle the feeling I had and help other people find it. That's really interesting because I know that's under the context of you wanting to be a coach. But do you think that that desire and that increase in desire and energy around it actually helped you with your cancer experience overall yeah 100% I remember one of the doctors no I remember several doctors and various people in the hospital every time I would go in commenting on how 
happy I was and how positive I was. Mm -hmm. And more than, you know, like so many times they would say, you know, we always, we always find that the people who are really positive have a a better experience. That's probably the wrong word. Cope with it all a lot better and recover quicker and, and in a different way. And I don't think I understood anywhere near as much as I do now about, you know, we get to choose how we respond. We get to choose how we feel. We're in control of all of those things. I didn't know that then so much, but I kind of knew. It, no, it wasn't a conscious thing. It wasn't even a, I either get to be really, really miserable about this and be really ill, mm. or I get to be, you know, it wasn't a conscious choice. It was literally, I was, I felt like I was in hell before. Mm. I hated my job. I hated my life. I was very depressed. I was very, very stuck, very unhappy, very un- unhappier than I've ever been and full of guilt and shame and all sorts of not, not good things. And as soon as I got diagnosed, it felt like I was being given a nine month holiday from my life. Right. And that was like a lightning bolt of that's not how one is supposed to be feeling. You're not supposed to feel relieved when you get cancer. Mm. And that was such a massive wake up call that the rest was... It was automatic. Actually, I mean, I'd love to talk to you about the cancer more. I will ask you about the coaching in relation to it. When you then, I won't even, you know, that we both experienced this. When you came out of it, like, what do we say? When you're better. How did your energy around coaching change, if anything? And what did you do with that energy when you had the space to do something with it? I started, um, I started with NLP. Um, I did my NLP practitioner course. And then I did, then I, be, then I started my ILM level seven executive coaching qualification. And I also started learning how to run a coaching business. And I started coaching. I just started having conversations with people and absorbing as much as I could from different places, uh, which was probably in equal measures really helpful and in hindsight, not so helpful. And one of the things about me is I am so keen to be really good really quickly <laughs> that I want I am not always good at being patient and allowing myself to develop naturally and slowly I just want to be there already right and I think one of the things I did do because I went all out and just quit and just sort of said let's not transition let's not build up a coaching business while I carry on working I just went I can't possibly face going back so it's all or nothing so I put a lot of pressure on myself and instead of giving myself you know two three years to get up to speed I set some ginormous goals about wanting to replace my income really quickly uh, and commenced beating myself up for not going quick enough and one of the you know I have a really conflicted relationship with social media now There is so much available to us, so much amazing free content available to us, so much access to amazing people that we didn't used to have. But on the flip side of that, there's so much noise, so much noise. And it's so hard to remain true to who you are and your values and what's important to you when you're being bombarded with with people promising you the earth and, and inviting you to feel like not just you have the potential to get there, but that you should. And if you don't, then somehow you're not succeeding. You, you've got you've got the problem. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, again, I take responsibility for all my thoughts, feelings, actions. I know that the way I respond to anything 
is all about what's going on inside me. So I, I take responsibility for that. I know that I, I use it all as a, an opportunity to learn more. But at the same time, I'm also somebody who naturally defers to those with more experience than me. Right. I almost have this automatic setting that if you've been doing it for longer than me, you must know more. And I also have an automatic setting that, that almost says, and therefore I trust what you're saying and believe you mm-hmm. almost more than I believe myself. Um, and what that meant at times is that I invested time, money and energy into things that might not have served me in the best way at that time. Again, were amazing learning opportunities and, and what has, I guess, contributed to me knowing, you know, if everything is feedback, if everything is, is taking us either towards or away from where we want to be, at times, some of those really, really hard lessons taught me who I don't want to be, how I don't want to be. But yeah, it was a lot. I found it a lot. And you and I have known each other for five-ish years, haven't we? And so we've had these kind of conversations throughout the time that we've coached. And you know how much I agree with so much of what you're saying. I think I really want to pick up on something you said about goals around, um, firstly, on a very personal level, I did a very similar thing. I quit my job Um but I don't know about you, but for me, there were things behind that. I just, I couldn't go back. And I expected myself to have an amazing coaching business so quickly. But you said about, you know, I didn't wait to build the business up. I expected myself to have these lofty goals. What would you say to the fact that that's in many ways encouraged? We're, we're encouraged to think about financial goals that are exceeding any expectation a lot of the time. Um, in certain quarters, I guess, of, of the coaching business world. What do, you, what do you think about that around, you know, earn this within X number of months of you starting your business? How do you, f- not that that was necessarily the messaging you were getting, but along those lines, how do you feel about that now? I still feel fairly conflicted about it because there is a part of me that, that completely believes that anything is possible. Mm. That if it's possible for one, it's possible for others. And so I definitely don't want to say that certain things aren't possible in a short amount of time. What I would say is that in my experience that a high proportion of newish coaches or newish business owners or people doing the two things at the same time, which a lot of us do, that there are so many more obstacles that we anticipate and that we're led to believe that we will find. I get really cross. I get really, really cross when people are invited to invest in programs and coaching that they are not ready for or that are not suitable for them so i guess you know absolutely there are there are people out there who are going to be able to make a lot of money very quickly and who are going to learn very quickly or who have enough investment behind them to be able to you know invest in certain things which therefore make their life easier mm. But so many of the solopreneurs and new coaches and new business owners that I've met and worked with and coached or participated in things with or just, you know, met along the way, we all have a whole ton of stuff that holds us back that we allow to get in the way of our development. We are human becomings. We're always learning. And as coaches, we're so heavily invested ourselves in what we're doing that we can't help but have a 
personal experience about it all at the same time. What I'm doing at the moment with my husband's business is it's products. Mm. We're selling products. And I find that so much easier, so much easier to, to sell than I do to sell my coaching. Right. There is so much less that gets in the way of me doing that than I found when I was trying to start my coaching business. Do you think if you were selling another coach's service, you would find that also as easy as selling your husband's business? Not that your husband's business isn't also yours, because by by nature of your family it is, but do you know what I mean? Is it? I think I think it's absolutely, I think it's that one step removed part. Yeah. And again, we all have different experiences. Some people won't find this challenging at all, but I know a lot of people that that do find it really challenging to to talk about themselves, to separate themselves from their service, to separate them their personal self from their business self, to confidently, coherently talk about the products that they sell, the packages that they offer, the the results that they produce. And that's something that you have to learn as you go, that you have to move through, that you kind of learn through trial and error. Stuff feels like, you know, you learn things and you adopt them and then you kind of go, no, that feels icky to me. That's not the kind of coach I want to be. Yes. You learn, you know, all the different sell, selling techniques and sales techniques and six step programs that we're kind of. Seven, seven. Seven, 10, 15, 40. You have to do it the way I do it because it works. Mm -hmm. And our brains are so wired to be attracted to certainty that if somebody's telling us that if we follow these rules, that we will get X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. that we're like, yes, that person's done it. I should be able to do it. And the irony of that, of course, is that during 2020, there's been more uncertainty for everybody's worlds than possibly our generation would ever know. So it's interesting how those messages have gotten even stronger, I think, during this time. And, you know, I'm biased and I do still see quite a lot of the social media. I don't know what you think about that, if you've been working mostly on the other business. At the beginning, I was still coaching and I still had a couple of groups up and running and um, and I still, still had quite a few private clients and I, I really struggled men- mentally, emotionally. Um, I was homeschooling my son. I was at that point working with my husband as well. And everything I'd kind of built up over the last sort of five years went out of the window. Mm. You know, I've spent this last five years learning about myself, learning about how I operate best, learning what I need to preserve my energy and look after my body. And part of that included being having quiet time, being alone, having downtime, resting, um, having time to kind of recover my energy. And all of that went out of the window. So it was really interesting that some of the inspirational messages and powerful sort of speeches that had previously inspired me began to really trigger me. Can you give me an example? I mean, you don't have to call anyone out. But... Oh, just like, just, it felt like everyone was telling me to step up and lead that now is my time to serve the world. And I was like, I can't, I have nothing left. I can't even go to the loo on my own right now. <laughs> um, the, like I remember one of the first coaching calls during lockdown and Ted was in his, my son was in his room eating lunch because I was trying to have this coaching call. And my, what was she? Three month old puppy ended up eating his lunch which included grapes. Oh, so then right. emergency vet and off we went to the vet. 
So it just, things weren't, things weren't happening the way I had anticipated or wanted to. And I wasn't responding in the way that I felt like I should. I thought that as a coach, I should be really able to cope with everything that was happening, that I should have all the tools and skills and Mm -hmm. everything to weather the storm. And I didn't. And I got really poorly again. Right. And I really struggled with that. Again, the guilt, the shame. And and it felt like I'd, I'd gone like 17 steps backwards. And I guess if you do know anything about me, then one of the most important things to me is integrity. It's, mm-hmm. it's being the person that I said I wanted to be. And it's really important to me with the type of coaching that I do, that I'm walking my talk. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's one of the, again, it's one of the things that triggers me in the coaching industry is, is when coaches aren't living and I don't mean they have to be perfect I don't mean that they have to have all the answers but they're actually living what they're coaching Mm. and for me that means you know showing up and and taking the steps every day to to live the way they've kind of committed to live and I wasn't able to do that right then so I didn't, I, for me, that means I can't coach other people. If I'm not in that space, if I'm, if I can't keep my stuff out of it, if I'm not, if I'm not being that person, then I don't feel like I have any business coaching anyone else. Right. You said at the start in reference to your business, it's still there. It's still an entity. What, there's maybe two parts of this question. What feelings do or have you grappled with around stopping coaching that kind of follows on from what you've just been saying as well and how do you feel about coaching and your coaching business as we stand December 2020 I am a coach it's who I am um I can't help it it comes out whether I like it or not Mm -hmm. um but I think how I feel about the coaching industry has changed but also the kind of coach coach. I want to be and what I want to offer so I think one of the things that I've learned is that I still had a I don't know an expectation Um, and again this comes down to some of the things we're taught um, about how to run our businesses that people like certainty and that you have to make certain promises you know because people are investing their hard-earned cash in what you're doing what you can help them with, what you can support them with. Um, And part of me had kind of learned that um, I was supposed to promise them stuff. And I'm supposed to promise you something. And I think what I turned that into was I'm supposed to get you from A to Z. And if I don't, somehow I failed. Like I took on way too much responsibility um, which in coaching, you know, our clients are in the driving seat. They they have to take responsibility for, for what they bring, for what they're doing, for how they apply anything to their lives. Like that's not on us. It's not up to us. It's not our job. And it takes power away from our clients. However, I think as a client myself, um, I know that I felt like I had failed most of the business coaching courses I did and some of the the life coaching courses I did because I had these unreasonable expectations about what I was going to achieve during those experiences. And when I didn't, it's kind of like this all or nothing. 
thing. Like if However, I don't get to where um, I said I wanted to get to, then I've, I've failed. I've, I've done something wrong myself. somehow. And um, I then didn't I want to like put that I onto my clients. So I didn't want them to feel like they weren't the getting out of the coaching experience with me what they the needed, wanted, deserved. And so I felt like I, I needed to take a step back from that to recalibrate and, and rethink what I'm prepared to offer, what I'm prepared I'm to say about what's possible or what's possible. I actually think I've it's really important that people somehow. don't enter something in feeling and like it's going to be some kind of magic pill. Do you think that's actually that this question is going to interrupt your train of thought, but I am interested, very interested. Do you think that's, which is more important, that, that something's being sold in the right way, marketed in the right way, I, I will absolutely get you to this point, or is it more important that the client interprets what they need from it? Does that make sense? Is it, is it the marketing or is it the interpretation? For me personally, I want to make sure that my clients are investing their time, their energy, their money wisely appropriately with their eyes open i want them to fully understand what their what they need i guess part of my job is to help them understand not just what they want but what they need and also that you know we might have a desired outcome but actually we always have this emergent outcome like we never end up where we think we're going to end up um and we always end up in a in a far more beautiful place but i guess we get taught um that that might be a little bit too intangible for people. Yeah. And that when it comes to marketing, when it comes to selling, that people need to know more. You know, they need they need a kind of an outcome. And I think often that outcome can be, a, a, you will have a return on investment, but it, it sometimes you may not. But instead of that, your heart will be flung open and you will experience happiness not, like you've never felt it. And like you said, how tangible... Oh, scale of 10. Yes. Yeah. And I think it depends on what kind of coach you are and what you're coaching and whether, you know, if you're, if someone is looking to stop smoking, you know, it's like, are you still smoking? No. Amazing. Yay. But when it comes to running your coaching business, I know, and, it, and it, I'm kind of going back. Um, one of the things that I hadn't realized, and it took me a long time to realize is that actually I'm not that bothered about running a coaching business. I really, really love supporting people to believe in themselves and to completely transform the way they experience their life. But actually that's what motivates me, mm. not being a six-figure coach or having a successful coaching business. And because of the pressure I put on myself mm. after I, I stopped um my corporate job it took me a really long time to admit that to myself because again I think I felt like I should want to be really 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 successful right because um whilst I kind of worked through letting go of the this, the kind of the label of being a lawyer because I wore that I wore it with pride I wore it with you know I loved that badge and it took me a while to let it go and it took me a while to then put on my coaching badge but then when I had it on it took me a while to let that go too. I like, I've heard people talk about, you know, there are, there are several types of coach. There's, you know, there's like a full-time coach, like a serious coach, a legitimate coach, or there are hobby coaches. Oh. You know, those ones that just dabble. 
And the way in which they're talked about is so... Your face like, when you said it says enough. <laughs> Not that you can see that on the <laughs> It's so... Like, it's, even the word hobby, it just... I don't know. You're not supposed. You're not supposed to do that. So it, it it's really it's taken me a really long time to kind of accept that actually what I really really want is to do loads of different things. Mm. That no one thing is ever going to be enough. That I need to have different creative outlets and I need to have different things that I'm working towards and. I'm inspired to be creating. And actually what's really, really important to me is that I continue to have the courage to evolve and to say, this is working now and now it's not. I'm going in this direction and I've learned all sorts of amazing things, but actually it's not serving me anymore. And so I'm going to, again, have the courage to change direction. So right now, what's really, really filling me up in all sorts of ways is working with with my husband and growing that business Mm. But I'm also really comfortable with the fact that that's probably temporary and it won't be too long before I go, okay, right, what next? And I think we still, I don't know, I don't know about you, I think we still can have a, we've started, so we'll finish. Like I've committed to this, so I'm supposed to stick with it now. Do you know sunk cost fallacy? No. It's like a really, I remember reading about it in like undergrad psychology going, this is fascinating. You know, when you buy a cinema ticket, you walk into the film and you're like, this is terrible. I need to leave, but I paid the money, so I better stay. You're just, why? Because you spent the money. You might as well do something good with your time whilst you leave. Yeah. And that and that's what I spent the first 15, nearly 20 years doing with law. Like, oh, I did the degree and then I then I qualified and then I did the training and, and then and then and then and all the money and all the time and all the effort. And even though I'm not remotely happy or fulfilled, I have to carry on because look at all of this time I've invested. But life is just too short and we have such a a short amount of time to make the most of this that I'm just not available to keep doing something that doesn't fully light me up. Um, and so I'm really proud actually that I, I was willing to say this isn't working yeah, uh, and not experience that as failure. Yeah. Oh, that is so powerful. I I guess if I look, when I look back, I kind of often think when I'm in my rocking chair and I'm super old, what do I want to look back and say? And every time it's, it's that I had the courage to expand and, and try something else and not settle. Mm. And that feels exciting. So I, I didn't feel like I'd closed the door on coaching at all. It just felt like, you know, this isn't working for me. I'm not enjoying it. I'm not fully lit up when I'm having conversations. I'm not feeling motivated to find new people to work with. I'm not motivated to create content or, or have the consistency that is needed to have an online business. I just couldn't get with the program and things got so noisy that I was beginning to lose this, lose sight of, of all the shoulds crept back in again. All the things I said I wasn't going to do crept back in again. And I didn't know what I was doing because that's what you're supposed to do in coaching. And like, this is how you create a business. Apparently. Apparently, so I, I don't like, I even have stickers. I don't know if I've got one here. I've got stickers that say zero fucks given. Um, and it's kind of my motto. And 
when I begin to kind of throw out fucks here, there and everywhere, things aren't working right. So it was, it, I'd stopped being bold and I'd stopped being really, really, you know, I would do Facebook lives where I would cry because I felt so passionate about what it was that I wanted to say that there might be just one person who needed to hear that thing today. Mm-hmm. And the longer I was running my coaching business for, the more contrived and I don't know, uninteresting, I felt like my message was becoming. Right. The more polished it became. To your to yourself or to others? To myself. Right. The less authentic it felt. Right. So for me, it's about finding finding coaches who will encourage you to be yourself, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And not try and do it in any certain way. And I think once I've once I've stepped back for long enough to get to a stage where I feel really, really inspired to share a particular message again, then that will be the time that I kind of come back and go, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to begin this journey again with people. Whether it's this message or not, I know you and I have spoken about some of this over the last year or so. And what you have just shared with me is really, it's, I can feel how strong that is for you. I can sense how clear and how much more ease there is that you're talking about it all. So I don't know what the message is. Maybe it's this, maybe it's something else, but you've, you seem so good. I think one of the biggest lessons from this year is about, about accepting where you are. And, you know, I spoke earlier about, about always wanting to fast forward and always being really impatient to get there. I'm so kind of ambitious with my personal development. Like I want to be so evolved now. Um, Forget the path. I want to go in a lift. I'm so impatient to learn more and, and be more, I don't know, be more, be able to surrender more easily be able to be more you know okay and just it by doing that you're always making yourself wrong with where you are right now so this year really has helped me to just let go of those expectations and be really and and to surrender to where I am now and be really good with that and and I'm not ready to share that with other people yet but actually I think that that I feel so much more passionate about than any particular destination, just really, you know, wanting people to be really, really good with where they, you know, want, wanting more, wanting to, to have more, be more, do more, get more, learn more, having amazing desires, but actually also not making themselves wrong for being in this, this particular moment in time, because that's where you are. You can't change that right now. Like you are where you are and by resisting it all, by kind of holding yourself back, you're actually going further back than further forward. What would you actually say to a coach who is struggling with a similar issue right now? As in what practically and and mindset wise could they do to start moving through it, moving past it? I would really encourage people to be discerning um, and to advocate for themselves when they're making choices about what they read, what they listen to, what they absorb, and to, first of all, to learn to really tune into their body, to their instinct, to their gut, to their intuition, and to really begin to trust that. 
because if you can do that if you can really trust your inner compass then it will really help you move through the bullshit it will really help you to choose for yourself what works for you what doesn't work for you so that if you know everyone else is going that way and they're all like oh this is amazing this is amazing this is amazing but it doesn't feel like that to you that you're then able to go, no, I'm choosing this direction because that, for whatever reason, doesn't feel right to me. Can I ask a question about that bit? Because I bet you've got great advice for this. I think people listening to that might say, but how do I know if it's me that's being, that hasn't tried hard enough to know if I should follow that path and I'm not doing it right, so I should keep trying more, or whether me accepting that I don't want to is actually me giving up because I think that's where that really difficult pivot moment happens isn't it where I should keep trying try harder I'm not trying enough what what's what's your take on that bit if they're thinking it this might not sound fair it's been practice the thing that's helped me is practice uh so one of the one of the modalities that I qualified in is is called MBIT multiple brain integration technique and it's the um it's it's based on NLP neuroscience positive psychology and esoteric wisdom and it's all about learning to listen to your heart head gut um and doing that every day is what helps you no, it's what so gives you that feedback and that evidence to know when things feel too hard and when you know in your heart of hearts that you haven't tried versus this just doesn't feel right to me. This doesn't sit well with me. This is not, you know, if you really go back and, and feel into what is it that I want to do? Who is it that I want to be? How do I want to feel? And is what I'm doing right now taking me towards that or away from that? There's a difference between that and mixing my analogies up a little bit and not really feeling like going for a run today. You know, like, let's say I'm going to, I've just started a challenge actually for Maggie's in January. I'm going to run 50 miles in January and there will definitely 100% be days where I don't feel like it. And there's a difference between those days when I know I just need to put my big girl pants on and, and use tools to help me get out the door versus having a bad ankle or knowing that I've done too much and knowing that my body needs to rest and actually that will serve me more than going for a run today. And that takes practice. So that's not an easy fix. And I guess that's maybe part of my advice is that a lot of these things aren't automatic. They're, they're practices and habits that you need to cultivate in order to, to have that inner wisdom, to be able to make those solid choices. And I think it's when you get into your head and you get all confused by what should I do, that you then lose that amazing ability to decide stuff for yourself. Mm. I love that solid choices that feels strong foundational uh, the base that we need yeah um so kind of going back to your question it, it would be it would be creating a practice for yourself that allows you to to get really good at knowing the difference between what feels good and what doesn't and learning to get out of your head because I know that it's when I'm in my head that I'm allowing comparison to to step in 
that I'm allowing what, you know, like what I'm being told I should do, what is, you know, pros and cons, all sorts of logical things that actually don't always serve me in the long run. You know, they're really amazing tools and they have their place, but actually they don't support you with knowing what, you know, is truly deeply important. Liz, if I were to ask you one final question, I'd love to hear what you would say you would love to see change or be different about the coaching industry. Um, I'd love for it to be regulated. Mm. Um, I would love for us to have a standard of, of coaching. I would love it to to be, I mean, in every profession, there are people who are better and not as good. That is just, you know, but with regulation, there is there is an ability to hold people accountable. Mm. And right now, like amazing, amazing salespeople are holding themselves out as coaches when they have no business doing so. And incredible, qualified, experienced, phenomenal coaches who aren't so good at selling themselves are not being successful in their business. And mm. that sucks. <laughs> that's rubbish and you can't always find out until it's too late no no so I would love there to be more you know when I first started working with a coach I had no idea what to look for what questions to ask what amount of money was appropriate and not appropriate what I should expect from that experience you know there was nothing to help me make those decisions apart from either recommendation or or yeah. what that particular person told me and you know so much of it is about personal connection human connection and especially you know with NLP with language techniques with some of the amazing skills and tools that people can learn out there you know it not everybody is using that great power yeah for good. with full responsibility <laughs> yeah I would love people to be able to make more informed decisions and not to be not to feel like you know they have to make this decision otherwise I don't know they will miss out or bad things will happen or you know whatever it might be they're just the sleazy nasty selling which isn't just in coaching it's in so many different industries it's not just coaching um and I guess maybe it feels bigger to us because that's the industry we're in sure yeah that's what we pay attention to but yeah that's what I would like as we have been talking I've really got this sense that Oh, you've just shared some really, really, I just feel like there's going to be a good amount of people who really need to hear what you said today. These kind of discussions that I've been able to have with you over the years have just been so good because you can't do this kind of work without analysing it as well, especially if you're the kind of person that does analyse. Thank you so much, Liz. I also just wanted to say... Liz is, from my perspective, one of the most highly trained coaches, people I know. You mentioned you've done MBIT training. You've also become an extra master practitioner in NLP. And I think there's a good few other sets of qualifications there. And she's a lawyer behind all that as well. Liz, if where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Um my name is Liz Peel Yates hyphen in the middle. Um, and they can email me at Liz at Liz PY. 
yeah, just send me a message. They can find me on Instagram as Liz P.O. Yates or Liz P.Y. But yeah, send me a message. I love talking to people. Is there any final thing you'd like to say based on what we've talked about today? Just that you better than anyone else in the world know who you are, what's important to you, who you want to be in the world. And no one gets to tell you what that should look and feel like. And I really, really want people to, to just know who they are and believe in themselves so they can they can just experience the, the beauty and the freedom of, I guess, I guess that unconditional love you can have for yourself when you accept who you are. That's what I want for people. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to talk to you and I will see you very soon. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coaching Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Emily Hodge. To find more episodes, find me over on Instagram at gentle underscore life underscore mindful underscore business, where I share each episode as they're launched and hear your comments too. You can find the podcast on iTunes and Acast also. Have a great day.